welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah McDonald. I'm extremely excited to be joined today by Andrew Clements. Andrew is a former professional baseball player and associate scout for the Atlanta Braves. Andrew played Division I baseball at the University of San Francisco in California. He is a licensed yoga teacher and has appeared on TED Talks where he taught yoga to a multitude of high performers. He is the owner of Form Method, a holistic approach to preparing the body for peak performance and injury prevention. Andrew holds a master's degree in kinesiology and is an inspiring teacher to a lot of athletes and people all over the world, including myself. More important than these labels is the incredible person I'm talking to. Andrew is extremely driven, compassionate, and very energizing to talk to. He's a living, breathing inspiration. So I want to thank you, Andrew, for coming on the podcast. I'm almost out of breath because, dang, that's a, lot, that's a lot of good stuff in there. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Isaiah. Nice to see you. Uh, it's, that's a wonderful introduction, and uh, great, to, great to connect with you again. We've had a, a synchronicity uh, labeled past, and, and uh, I feel like we're still moving in and diving into similar circles. So wonderful to connect you, with you in, in this platform. Yeah, 100%. So yeah, I'm excited. I want to talk about yoga. I know we were talking a bit about meditation and um, you talking about you know your journey right now, starting a podcast and working with high performers all over the world. So first of all, you know, can we talk about your early journey with baseball, you know, going into the division one level and then eventually playing professional baseball. And I remember you telling me such an exciting story about hitting a grand slam and trying to make the team um, and dealing with pressure and anxiety. And so, you know, maybe we can dive into that and talk about how you were able to slow the game down and, and let things come to you. So, yeah, that's kind of the direction I think we, we should go. Great. Um, yeah, happy to, to relive those experiences and recall uh, what is now almost 20 years ago. So uh, more than 20 years ago in some cases. But, you know, being a, being a Canadian kid and growing up on the North Shore of, of Vancouver, I, I was really lucky to play on a, on a really competitive high school team. And, you know, two, two of my teammates from that team played, played in the big leagues. One of them won a World Series with the Boston Red Sox. His name's Ryan Dempster. You might be familiar with him. So I was lucky to, to be around some great athletes uh, from the beginning. And, uh, and, and it kind of set me up for, for success in, in California, too. You know, baseball was something that, you know, only, I only got to do three, four months out of the year, right? You know, it's, it's not something we didn't have indoor facilities and, and things like that. So um, so to be sort of like the third top player on this high school team, you know, and, and you know, 95 scouts coming out to see Dempster in, in uh, you know, ni 1993 and 94, you know, you were you were kind of like, wow, this is this is the real deal. Uh, when I got to California, I got to say that I was I was six, seven people guys deep at my position, you know, like, and, and, and staring at a red shirt year. And, and that was one of the hardest years of my life was to actually, uh, you know, confront that, that identity of being an athlete, 
uh, you know, moving to a new part of the world, having to make all new friends, and and you know, it's tremendously difficult. But it, you know, what doesn't what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, and and you find you reach down and find those character elements in yourself, and and you keep pushing on. Uh, you know, I eventually ended up at the University of San Francisco and and got a chance to play Division One baseball and and got to learn from some great teachers and coaches and uh, mentors to this day. Uh, Nino Giratano, who's the head coach at the University of San Francisco, uh, him and I are, are very, very close, and he continues to inspire me to this day around, uh, you know, not only baseball, but life, philosophy. We, we have some, some wonderful conversations. So, uh, you know, the experience was tremendous for me. Um, I guess when I started exploring consciousness or awareness or yoga it was really in around my junior senior year of, of division one baseball, where I just naturally sort of gravitated towards a meditation practice. And I would find myself, we were, we were working with a sports psychologist and somebody that was trained in, you know, really administering quality visualization, goal setting techniques, uh, you know, had been well versed in, in all the recent literature coming out around sports psychology. And I, I thought it was so fascinating. Um, we actually got a chance to meet with a guy by the name of Jamie Williams. I remember this. He was a linebacker in the San Francisco 49ers. And he brought in these like uh, relevant stories to, to Star Wars and started like talking like Jedi and, and how you use the force. And, and, you know, this is like a, you know, six foot five, 265 pound, uh, black man with dreadlocks. And I was like, man, oh man, this is, this is as good as it gets. And, uh, you know, from that point on, I just, I, I realized that the mental side of the game was, was something that, uh, I, I could take, you know, I could take control of and I could start to practice more and more. Uh, so, it, so it really started with that, that avenue of awareness and, and starting to build a, a daily meditation practice, be it five minutes, be it 10 minutes, just, you know, starting to sit tall with a, with a long spine and, and not knowing really any techniques, but just kind of closing my, my eyes and, and witnessing um, and, you know, that kind of then began to spill over into, uh, you know, performance stuff. And, you know, I found out when, when I started watching my breath, when I became aware of my breath, it actually put me in a state of a sensation that was, was calming, was clearing. It, I felt more confident in those spaces. And, uh, you know, I, I was able to recall those, those experiences a little bit more. And, and to this day, I think it's, it's just such a wonderful, uh, valuable exploration of time is, is going into those quiet spaces and, and watching the mind and the movements of the mind and, and the sensations in the body. So uh, I, I, I dove head in and, and eventually found the practice of yoga after a lot of resistance. But, uh, you know, when I, when I found yoga, it was something that uh, I had resisted for a long time. I always said, no, no, no yoga's for girls like I don't do that and and you know so there you go it's just like wow automatically I, I really put 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 that in a box and, and labeled it as as something in particular and I remember clearly remember after my first practice that uh that I had a lot to learn and that it it was starting to it exposed me to all these sports psychological techniques that I was trying to learn as an athlete performing with right effort being in the moment 
and, and the practice of yoga really gave me that opportunity to, to, to explore uh, those keen, uh, keen senses of, of exploration. I was just, I, I was all in. I was all in. I, I, I said after that, I went, wow, was I wrong? And what a wonderful way to, to, to spend some time. So, yeah, so I guess that's a bit of a, a bit of a brief background of how I got to, to what I'm doing now. Yeah, that's incredible. And it's funny, I just picked up a, a book that you had given me a couple of years back, and it talks about flow in sports. And it dives a little bit into awareness. So, you know, for our listeners who are maybe new to meditation and new to awareness, what's, what's your perspective on awareness? And I know we can talk about emotions and, and things that we face on the field. Um, but yeah, let's dive into awareness a little bit. And then I definitely want to dive into yoga and sports and, and debunk some myths. Right. Um, I think you'd probably find a lot of um, really in-depth definitions of awareness. Uh, for me, it means being conscious of where the mind is moving towards, what the mind is doing. Uh, and, and the Yoga Sutras, let's call them 195 sort of uh, scripture-like sayings that were developed, uh, you know, maybe thousands of years ago, speak of just that. And, and the second Yoga Sutra of 195 of them says, Yoga which means yoga is understanding the movements of the mind, that, that we actually begin to watch where the mind goes. And as soon as we do that, we have to question, who's watching the mind? Who is it? Is it me, Andrew Clements? Or, you know, is it some deeper or higher place within myself? Mm -hmm. um, so we begin to sort of confront that, uh, that dichotomy, that conundrum of, you know, who, who is watching? Where is this ability to understand the self-talk, what's happening in the mind, uh, what we're paying attention, where the mind wanders to? Uh, without, you know, and, and we build a practice around, you know, eventually going, you know, you know, we're not here to judge that movement. We're just here to watch it. You're just here to observe it as if you were a fan in the stands. You're just watching a game and you watch that mind move around. So, so to me, as soon as we begin to, to understand the movements of the mind, we then can approach the quality of the thoughts in, in a different perspective. We can, we can approach it from a place of, objectivity, not reaction. Uh, and, and we have to create that time and space in order to witness exactly uh, what is happening with us. You know, ultimately, I feel like this reveals a, a level of truth for us that that's very, very important. We have to continually go back to, to understanding and, and just watching uh, where and what we are paying attention to. So uh, that's a that's a long-winded description of awareness, but ultimately it can succinctly be boiled down to uh, watching the movements of the mind, watching uh, where the mind goes, and 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 what we want to attach to, what we want to have an opinion about. Uh, again, I haven't succinctly defined it yet, but uh, awareness is is really a witnessing. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And I was. Um... 
was reading a book and Nick Saban was talking about, he was talking to his football athletes and he said, I'm going to put this piece of wood down. Can you walk across it? It was just a, a simple two by four. And everyone's like, oh yeah, no problem. It's all good. Um, and then he says, okay, let's say this piece of wood is across two buildings, 10,000 feet in the air. Can you still cross it? And I think, yeah, like we get so focused on, you know, when that pressure hits or, you know, you're 10,000 feet above the ground, your, your mind starts to turn away from, from the task at hand, which is walking across that board. Um, and I think we get that a lot in sports. You know, there's a lot of distractions while you're playing. So, and, and you talked about, you know, trying to bring it back and watch what's happening without judgment. So let's say I'm, I'm in a championship game and I'm like, Andrew, I'm nervous. Um, um, I got some doubt and, and we have two players. One guy's ready to go and one guy's got some nerves and he's a little doubtful. Um, how, how would you talk to him in regards to not following those nerves, but, but objectively just observing them and then being able to detach from those nerves? First of all, I would say that if you weren't nervous in that situation, something would be wrong with you. <laughs> You know, it, 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 nerves are a very natural, important part of, uh, of competition, of performance. Uh, it's when the nerves become debilitating, where you cannot speak, you cannot move, you cannot do what you do, uh, that, uh, that then can present, you know, a problem. And, and, and we all go through that. For me, it wasn't athletics. For me, it was science tests, you know, like oh my God, like migraine, headache, blackout. I can't remember anything that I studied for the last high school. It was a terrible experience. And, and just if there's any high school kids li listening to this, and I hope there is, I feel for you. I would never, I work with a lot of youth and I would never trade places with you. High school is a tough, tough time. Hang in there. There's lots of support around you, but uh, it, it, it is a, I had a wonderful high school experience, but it, it's a very difficult time of our of our life being an adolescent, and especially in this context with social media and, and things like that. So again, I just I'm compassionate to your and empathetic to your situation because I completely remember that. Uh, getting back to to what I would say to that person is is it's completely normal to feel that way. Recognize that feeling, watch that feeling, mm -hmm. start to watch your breath. Is your breath shallow? Is it choppy? The mind and the breath are intimately related. When the breath becomes long and smooth, the thoughts become a little bit slower. Things slow down. When the breath is short and choppy, the mind is generally moving very, very quickly. So here's the first level of control that we can actually understand is in the respiration. We take 18,000 breaths a day. How many of those breaths do we actually make conscious? How many of those breaths do we actually watch the sensation of the inhale, touching the nostrils, the sensation of the exhale, moving out of the body and relaxing the body? 
So from that simple cycle, they say advanced yoga has nothing to do with whether or not you can do all these fancy postures and put your leg behind your head and so on and so forth. And, and it doesn't. Advanced yoga has to do with the ability to bring 100% of your awareness to even one cycle of breath. Wow. So that's where I would start with that person is just say, let's take a moment, spread your feet out, let the weight and energy and gravity take over in your body, relax the body, and watch your breath. And that can be done in a matter of 10 or 15 seconds. Conveniently, the amount of time that an umpire generally gives you to step out of the box and reset. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. And for those of you who don't know, Andrew can do all those poses, put his, his foot behind his head, bend in ways that I'm just like, it hurts me to look at, but yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. So I guess, yeah. And I was going to ask you like, you know, let's say a kid misses eight free throws in a row and he's getting up to that next free throw. And all he's thinking about is the past eight free throws. Our goal with that kid is, you know, reconnecting him to the present through the breath and focusing on, you know, the hoop or having trigger words for him. And it's funny, you were talking about, as you were talking about breathing in and out and following the breath, I'm like, I'm sitting here more relaxed. I'm, I'm starting to feel better. So yeah, no, that's, that's incredible. Isn't that fascinating though? Just, just to interrupt there. I mean, even the word breath, as soon as we mention it, the quality of it changes in our body. As soon as we say, become aware of the breath, everybody that's listening to this went, Wow, like that, that, and that's, that's just like something that's so simple and, and so profound that, that we should all pay attention to more. Yeah, yeah, and I remember uh, watching the Michael Jordan documentary, and I'm sure a bunch of listeners have seen that as well, and he's breathing as he's about to go play in front of, you know, 60,000 people screaming at him, and he's just finding that breath, because the breath won't leave you. The breath won't leave you in any situation while you're alive. Um, so that's always something that you can come back to. Uh, and so for me, and I, this is kind of a selfish question on my part, every morning before I do anything, I'll sit down on my pillow and I'll just kind of stare at a spot on the wall for 12 minutes. And I'll kind of check in with my body and see, you know, how am I feeling today? How's my energy? What emotions are, are coming up right now? But what are some things and maybe some practices that you do on a consistent basis? Because I still, like, even still when I sit down to, you know, work and I have to type a bunch of stuff, I'll find my mind's, like, thinking about the next move or, you know, what can I do next? And it's like, I have to be right here. And, and sometimes I'll focus on the breath and I'll, I'll calm down, but I'll still, that monkey mind will still try and be, be distracted. Mm -hmm. So what would you recommend for things like that? I would say, rec I would recommend just be consistent with it. You know, we have to learn in our meditation practice or in our conscious, our practices of awareness or consciousness to begin to become absent of evaluation. Meaning you shouldn't come out of a meditation practice or yourself staring at the wall and be like, man, I sucked at that today. Like that was a, that was a really tough day. 
you know, because we, you know, ultimately you're there and you're doing it. And, and, and this is something, you know, just like with a kid shooting free throws that, uh, that is, you know, missed the last eight. It's the same thing. There's a, there, you know, you, you can suggest, you can suggest some consciousness and some, some, some breath work and some mental training to help that person. But let's be perfectly clear. You're not going to breathe your way to the big leagues. <laughs> of course. You need to put in the reps. You need to be physically active. You need to train ballistically. You need to build your body. You need to have sports-specific understanding of, of what you do. Uh, and, and in order to do that, it's, it's consistent practice. It's the same thing with yoga. It's the same thing with meditation. You have to keep coming back to it. You don't get there in a night. You don't get there in a week. You don't get there in a year. You don't even get there in 10 years. This is something that you must continually keep coming back to because the goal is self-knowledge, knowing yourself a little bit more intimately. Mm, that's powerful. That's yeah, no, that's really powerful. And I definitely do that. I'll come out of some practices like, wow, I was distracted there. Maybe that didn't go as well, but, but just kind of reinforcing the fact that you sat down to do that practice and get better that day that's 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 and it's natural that's that's a natural part of being an athlete like you know uh, development is great at younger ages and you've got to develop you know but man when you get to division one and you get to professional baseball you are being constantly evaluated every day every pitch Mm -hmm. you know oh your balance was off on that you know two one take like what like hit a fucking double in the gap man (laughs) get off my back like, and you're going to hear that, right? Like you're going to hear all kinds of uh, uh, criticism and, and you've got to learn how to, how to filter. Right. So, so part of it is learning to be, to, to, to evaluate, to become absent of that evaluation in your meditation, visualization, conscious practice, whatever you're doing in around meditation or, or mental training, you know, don't judge it. Give yourself that space to witness, you know, to observe, yeah. And I think that's exactly what takes athletes to the next level because you'll see athletes of similar caliber, but all of a sudden, you know, years go by and this guy, this guy passes this guy. And it's all, a lot of the times it's all in the mind because the, the reps are there, the daily practice is there physically, but mentally it's off. And then those thoughts become clouded. And then, like you said, evaluation you know 95 scouts are at a game while you're trying to play and now you're like oh does he like this does he like that oh that guy didn't like my two on take and then i crush the ball like what do i got it and then you're trying to perform for someone else which is which is taking you away from the game and i've definitely done that and i'm sure if you've played sports long enough you you've definitely done that so what was something you you would notice you know, let's say you're transitioning from division one to professional baseball when you constantly have scouts who their job depends on your performance and them taking a risk on you is their job. And then it's these organizations job and it's their business. And you're, you're just a puzzle. You're just a piece of the puzzle. You're not really, you know, they don't really care about you. If you're not performing well, we'll find the next guy. So how did you deal with that sort of, 
I guess you could say pressure, but also like consistent criticism and, and, you know, you need to get better. You need to do this. You need to do this. Um, and, and just be able to channel that focus and lock in on what you knew Andrew needed to do in that moment. Ultimately, it comes down to, to a very clear understanding of what you can and cannot control. You cannot control who shows up for the game. You cannot control what they think about you or how they evaluate your performance. You cannot control whether or not an umpire is going to call a ball a ball or a strike a strike. So you have to get back into what, it, what is in the realm of your control. What is in the realm of our control is, is the quality of repetitions that we take throughout the week. When we start to feel our mind move away and we're just, you know, moving to move and instead of, you know, focusing on something specific, you know, there's some fabulous coaching that's happening in and around batting practice and, and in execution. And you have to learn how to execute. You know, you have to take the first six swings of your batting practice, whatever it is, work opposite field. You have to learn how to move a runner over uh, with a runner at first base in less than two outs, right? Like you have to understand how to, how to do the technical things and you can control your approach to that. You can control how you work at that. That can help you build confidence. Uh, you can control first and foremost, the respiration in the body. And if you're practicing that, ultimately you're going to be in, in, in a better place, in my opinion, to perform. Uh, you know, it's easy to get sped up. It's very, very easy to get sped up. And for me and for, for all athletes, we talk about one thing that's called level of activation. And your level of activation needs to be different in different sports. You need to understand where your optimal level of activation was. For instance, I play a lot of high school football. And in football, the level of activation was like, I'm going to bang my helmet on your helmet and on your helmet and on your helmet, and I'm going to get ready to go. Let's go. We're playing football. Like, who? Sentinel High School football rules, you know, like, and you're, you're jazzed. You've got to get that level of activation up so that you can have, you know, that sense of impact and uh, that sense of explosiveness. If you try and play baseball like that, you're going to be in a world of hurt. Last time I checked, it doesn't, it doesn't take more strength and more oompa to hit a 995 mile an hour fastball you know no it's about it's about being relaxed and about being on time and being able to calm yourself to a point so that you can have as little amount of movement as possible and then explode right so so for me i was always heightened in my level of activation more high strung more uh you know moving fast easy to get sped up it's just who I was. I watched like baby videos of me and I'm like, you know, my son who's three years old, he like reminds me of that joy and that enthusiasm of just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's, it's a beautiful feeling, but is it, is it advantageous to performance? For me, it wasn't, it wasn't. And I had to learn how to like bring myself down from that level, that natural level of activation that was sped up mm -hmm. and I had to learn how to bring it down to a place where I could be aware that I can be in control of my body. Uh, for others, it's different. For others, they might be more lethargic. They might need to figure out ways to bring themselves up. To, to, but to find that level of opti optimization is, and, and, and optimizing that level of activation is, 
is critical. And it all comes back to self-knowledge. If you're doing the work around who you are, who your physical self is, who your higher self is, ultimately you're going to have those tools to go into a competitive environment. And, and let's be clear about competition. The root word is a Latin word. It, it stands for something. And I don't know Latin. I think it's like comp and etra. But it has nothing to do with actually beating somebody else. It has everything to do with striving together at our highest places. So, so just thinking about that, you know, it's not about me beating you. It's actually about us acknowledging that we're about to bring the highest places of ourselves into this moment. And that's what competition, the spirit of it is, is striving together. And baseball is so fantastic at that, right? Like how many times have you seen a quick pitch in the big leagues? Like it happens two or three times a year. People get pissed off about it because there's a clear acknowledgement. Batter steps into the batter's box, got his hand up, calls time. He's ready to go. Pitcher gets the sign. There's the acknowledgement. Here we go. This is us striving at our highest places. Uh, so, so, so it's it's nice to reframe competition that way and, and think about uh, you know the opportunity to actually explore uh, places of ourselves that we that you know we wouldn't get the opportunity to explore if we weren't in a competitive environment. Wow. That, that, that almost takes any sort of pressure off of playing and it almost makes playing like this new dimension. You're, you're going out there and it's more than just a game. It's you competing against yourself and bringing that highest self and through that you get to become, you know, that higher version of you like you're saying. So that's, I, I really like that way of thinking about the game because then it turns into like a, it's like showing up to church. It's like a spiritual experience for, you know, if you're a baseball player, three hours of, of being locked in and, and focused. And that's, yeah, that's, I love that. It's, it's a wonderful opportunity. And, you know, if you're not mentally exhausted after a baseball game, then you should, you should ask yourself, where did my mind go in that situation where I'm playing defense in the outfield and it's a 2-2 count and there's a runner on second base? Because you better know exactly what that hitter does, where his tendencies are, where he likes to hit the ball, how fast he runs, and if that ball's hit to me, where am I going with it? Where's the play? If it's the one hopper in front of me, am I, am I throwing, out, throwing him out of the plate? Great. But, but having the script on defense, you know, Every single hitter, okay, two hitter, handles the bat, bat well. Runner at first base, he's probably going to be trying to pull something to the right side if he's a left-handed hitter. You know, I mean, so just I'm, I'm just talking about trying to give reference to like every every pitch. There's more significant pitches in the game than others, and that's what's the fantastic part about being a fan in baseball is when you witness you know, the significant pitches that happen because that game could change in the second inning. It could change in the bottom of the ninth, but you recognize those significant pitches when they're there. Uh, but trying to make every pitch as significant. And for me, it was, it was really like, you know, being an outfielder and sitting in the, out there. And, and I mean, to me, it's still the best view in the, in the ballpark. Uh, and you get a chance to run balls down and, and, but you know, you just, 
I would constantly go through script. You know, what's the count? How many outs are there? What hit are we at in the lineup? Uh, what do I do if the ball comes to me? So, so there's ways to uh, stay engaged in it. And, you know, after a nine inning game, you know, I'd just be like, maybe physically I wasn't beat, but, uh, but mentally, absolutely. You're tired. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Um, so just to switch gears here a little bit, we might, uh, we'll have to end it soon, but can we dive into form, form method, which is a business you created around peak performance, but also injury prevention and, and teaching fascia and systems of the body and connecting emotions with that fascia, which is like, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm excited to hear about this, but can, can we talk about the philosophy of form a little bit and then dive into, you know, I know you've done some research on, on all that stuff and, and I think our listeners would love to hear this because I, I don't think they know a lot about it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just, so just to be clear, like my master's degree is, is not in natural science. It's in social science. So I was much more interested in, in the psychological experiences of peak performance uh, and, 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 you know, had very limited anatomy training, to be honest, that wasn't, that wasn't sort of where my, my sole interest lied academically uh, in, in graduate school. But um, so just to talk about form, as soon as I, as soon as I started studying yoga, which, you know, has been a 20 year pursuit now, uh, you know, anatomy became much more interesting. And, uh, and the prevailing idea in traditional anatomy is that, you know, there's separation between the bicep and the tricep, between the hamstring and the quadricep. And, and really the only thing that's creating that separation uh, is the scalpel in, in cadaver dissections, right? It, ultimately, when you're thinking about the fluid human form, there's no disconnect. And, and, and the more recent let's say the last 10, 15 years, uh, you know, physiological, biomechanical research that, that I'm particularly interested in lies in the connective tissue or in the fascial system. So, so the fascia is, for those of you that uh, aren't familiar with this layer of the body, it is essentially underneath the skin, it's like a netting. It connects you from the tips of the toes to the top of the head to the ends of the fingertips. It surrounds all the muscles, all the bones, all the organs. There's three layers of fascia in the system. And uh, traditionally, they were just considered like the stuffing of the body, like this, uh, you know, uh, material that you perform these di dissections with that you just sort of scrape out and, and get rid of. And, and what they're finding now is, is that all the muscle memory is stored in this layer of the body. All the emotional memory is stored in this layer, this layer of the body. In fact, it's the largest sensory organ in the body. Um, so, so learning and, and when it's healthy, it's very elastic. It's fluid and it slides and it's wet. When it's when it's not healthy, it's it's more adhesed. It doesn't it doesn't move. And they're saying that's what you know. Ninety percent of injuries are in the body. It's not so much in the bones. It's in the tendons. It's in the ligaments. It's in the muscles. Uh, it's in the connective tissue. So if we can uh, learn to create a very healthy layer uh, and, and doing very simple exercises around, you know, 60% effort, um, you know, and there's a whole uh, tensegrity series that I've learned through 
uh, a very dedicated yoga teacher that's been studying this stuff for a long time, that actually we can begin to, uh, to heal and, and re, reattach, re, reform these uh, points of connective tissue in the body that uh, can create sort of this silk-like bodysuit that, you know, allows us to be elastic, like explosive, uh, you know, uh, what we do is we, we look at, at this idea of tensegrity, so tensional integrity. And it's, a, it's an architectural term developed by Buckminster Fuller uh, way back in the 50s that, you know, if you took a geodesic dome with all its uh, struts and supports, and if you moved, removed one of those struts from, from the, the structure, then, then it would be compromised. It would collapse, and it might not you know, uh, it, it can affect, you know, certain areas of the body. It might not be where you're feeling pain in your shoulder. It might be something that's happening in your left hip. So, uh, so some, some great references in and around if, you want, if you're studying fascia and you want to know more about it. So Thomas Myers, he wrote a pivotal text known as Anatomy Trains, which, uh, which really sort of highlights these uh, long, deep, deep uh, front, front line uh, back, you know, superficial back line, uh, these connection points that actually made through dissections that actually, you know, really shows how, how the body's connected in all these fronts. In my mind, if, if we can build that elastic, fluid, resilient system uh, through very simple exercises, uh, you know, more and more you're going to be uh, like a cat, right? You watch a cat, you know, if it's getting ready to jump from the couch to the table, what does it do? It doesn't just like, it doesn't just like go. It like takes its time. It scrouches down. You see it like gather itself and then boom, it gets like super springy. Mm -hmm. And, and that's the connective tissue. That's the fascial system. We need to be pliable. We don't need to be uh, muscle-bound and, and more tight. We need that functional strength. Look at Derek Jeter, man. Look at, look at Ichiro Suzuki. Mm -hmm. These guys are not massive dudes like bodybuilders. They are fluid in their body, and they understand what they need to do to, to perform on, on, a, on a daily basis. 162 games, man. You cannot believe what kind of grind that is on the physical body. Uh, so, so anyway, that, that's sort of a, a roundabout approach to, to what the philosophy of form is. I've, I've had tremendous success with it. Uh, I've taught it to a lot of folks. Uh, they, the, the, the feedback has been uh, overwhelmingly positive. Um, you know, but I'm not saying that, that it's for everybody. You know, everybody's got to find their own way. Uh, you have to build your own filter as to what, what you feel is, is truthful in, in your experience. And this is just one option. You know, if it worked for me, it works for some folks, and uh, it might be totally boring and repetitive to others. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 a fun exploration and something that uh, that I enjoy pursuing to this day, uh, and and just building back my own my own physicality uh, at at 44 now. You know, so uh, but I always say like if 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 I had an ounce or 10 ounces of this when I was 20 something. You know, I might have played another 10 years, right? Yeah. And that's why I'm so grateful I'm talking to you right now. Um, and I, I, uh, I, get, I get asked this a lot. Like athletes are like, yeah, I don't want to do yoga because it makes me slow and, and this and that. And, it's, you know, and, and just the way you've explained not only what it does for the mind, but when we talk about fashion, connecting it all together. 
And when those tissues are healthy and they can move like they're supposed to move, the performance gains you're going to see are just like, it's inexplainable. It's, it's incredible. And you're getting body and mind with one form of movement that can just be a 15 minute practice every day. Like not even 1% of your day, which is just like, for me, that's a, that's a no brainer. And, and hopefully athletes and people listening to this can, can pick that up and, and start to implement that. Cause that's, yeah, that's, that's exciting to hear. The flexibility component of fitness is something that has gone, uh, you know, un, un, undetected for quite some time. And, uh, and it's important. Um, and there's, there's research that, that says uh, that, that, you know, supports your point around, around, you know, feeling slower and that it might not be advantageous before competition. And that's great. Uh, I think that's important to listen to. For me, this has always been an addition. You have to do the ballistics tr training and regime. You have to train that way. You're a warrior. You're young. You got to get bigger, faster, stronger. That's that. That's imperative. What this is is exactly what you're talking about. It's an addition. It's two or three times a week for 15 to 40 minutes. Uh, and and it you know again the research is saying from anywhere from six to 24 months you can start to experience this layer of the body more clearly. You can start to have a kinesthetic relationship with, with a quality in the body that's equal in its tension and equal in its relaxation. It becomes supported. It becomes uh, understood. And, 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 and really, like to me, it all comes back to balance, man. Like if your body's balanced and you're building these structures and, and these tissues in a way that uh, – is even in its representation of tension and relaxation that's going to translate tremendously you know it's hard to stay balanced on you know when you're seeing 90 and then you're seeing like 70 mile an hour change up or something you know so 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 getting the body prepared uh and and in that you have to be so conscious of, of what, what you're doing and your movements and your breath that you know ultimately there's a psychological gain as well so uh, I, I'm a big proponent of it, obviously, uh, but uh, yeah, it's 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 one it's a wonderful addition to any training regime. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And I think I think that's a perfect place to end it. Um, what an incredible talk we had, Andrew. I just listen. I could just listen and listen to you all day. I get more relaxed. I'm more calm. I learn more like, yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful that you came on the show today. Um, thank you. So special. Thank you for tuning into today's show. If you have any questions or topics that you want to be discussed on the show in the future, send us an email instinctperformance1 at gmail.com or head over to our website, instinctperformance.ca. Hit us up on Instagram or Facebook ip.performance for more free content if you're interested in my process of developing a world-class athlete through online personalized precise athletic training and coaching head over to my website fill out the application form and we'll see if it's a good fit you can expect to get a detailed movement assessment where we test ankles hips shoulders neck and every area of your body we then build a program around 
how to get you stronger, more powerful, and explosive in the gym. I outline the exact sets, exercises, reps, rest intervals, and rest schemes. If this is something that interests you and you're interested in becoming more dominant, explosive, and fearless on the field, go to my website, instinctperformance.ca, fill out the application form. We'll do a free one-on-one consultation. We'll talk about your goals and and where you want to be and how we can help you get there. As always, thank you for tuning into the show. Isaiah out. So sweet.